travel, it's one of life's greatest pleasures. When we journey abroad, we discover new places and meet fascinating people, but we also gain perspective and take on a wider view of the world around us. That was Trevor Ranges, and I'm Scott Coates. After more than 25 years living and working in Asia, we've developed an amazing network of interesting characters throughout the region. Talk Travel Asia is our way of sharing them with you. Plug in and get connected to hot tips, interesting perspectives, and expert travel advice as we cultivate travel insight through intelligent conversation. Welcome to Talk Travel Asia, Episode 70, Impressions of Yangon. Yangon, formerly Rangoon, the capital of Myanmar, formerly Burma, is an exotic-sounding name. In the early 1900s, it was one of the most developed and sophisticated cities in Southeast Asia. The elite sent their children there for school, commerce was booming, British, Indians, Burmese, and other people from around the world mixed. And then things changed. In 1948, Burma got independence from the British. Then in 1962, the military took power for almost 50 years, finally loosening their grip on power in 2011 and slowly opening the doors a little bit. Well, this is Scott Coates on a super rainy and thundery night in Bangkok, and I would be scared except that I have my good friend, Trevor Rage is here, next to me with a cool beverage. Monsoon season in yeah. Southeast Asia. It is monsoon season. We are in Bangkok, but you can hear the thunder in the background. And we haven't spoken much at all about Myanmar on this podcast. No, you know, it's kind of weird because we know Burmese people. Uh, we know people who have work or business in Myanmar. Or from school when we went to Hawaii. Yeah, from the APLP program. Right. Um, yeah, but we haven't really touched on it a lot. You know, for me, it's partly because I've only been to Myanmar once in 2002, yeah. um, which was apparently nine years before the country stepped out of its isolation. Yeah. Um, at the time, Aung San Suu Kyi was still under house arrest. Right. The world still had Myanmar under sanctions, mm. and travelers were generally told not to go. Mm. Um, and as you mentioned just a second ago, it was still called Burma back then. It was Burma back then. Yeah. Actually, we don't know when they changed their name. Well, again, like, officially, no. I mean, and even 2002, Yangon was still the capital of Burma. Yeah, and actually the general in power apparently consulted fortune tellers who said that there would be storms or unrest by people and that they should move the country. Yeah. Um, yeah, so without getting into the whole history, you know, Burma was the name that the British... Uh, gave, gave it, it. Yeah, and, yeah. and Myanmar supposedly was the traditional name and and again like it's not all Burmese people who live in no, they're one in, ethnic in group Myanmar, of like right? 120 yeah, yeah, yeah. so today's episode is, is a loose one we are not experts on the country but I was there in August for about two weeks with work I had been a couple times before and we thought you know what between you going there in when did you see 2002 that? 2002 and then I think I first went there about like 2000 eight or somewhere yeah. around there and then we went back my wife and I a few years later and then I was just there for two weeks I mean things are changing quickly so we thought you know what this is a great time to talk about impressions and your impressions what f how many years ago that's now? 15 years now. 15 yeah. years yeah. for you when it was very closed yeah to me when it was like still closed but things might change to like things are open yeah, you know, at the time, uh, again, like Aung San Suu Kyi was saying, like, you shouldn't go. Uh, I did some research and uh, some other people in her Democratic Party weren't in agreement with her about the travel boycott. Oh, really? And my girlfriend, Nat, at the time, uh, 
she and I had been to Siem Reap in 2001, and even back 2001. Oh, 2001. Yeah. The Khmer Rouge was still... Right, that's what I'm saying. Like, people were like, don't go to Cambodia, it's dangerous, and stuff like that, you know? People were kidnapped off trains. Right. But it was so bad. So we're like, ah, we'll go to Myanmar, we'll go to Burma and check that out too, you know? Um, so, you know, we went to Myanmar before... It, you weren't supposed to go there. And I actually ended up writing a big story that I never published because that was before I was a writer um, or before I was a published writer. And I, and, and I called it, It's Myanmar, Stupid. Mm. And or it was going to be something about, like, why you should go to, to Burma. Right. Because, like, our experience, and we traveled quite a bit around the country during the two weeks we were there. It must have been wild. Um, yeah, it was very different. I mean, you know, I was surprised. There was a lot of capitalism. There was markets everywhere, like on the streets. There was like, there was markets. It was obviously like a capitalist society. Um, there wasn't any censorship because Operation Desert Storm was occurring or whatever the second Gulf War was called. And we watched it on CNN and they had New York Times uh, for sale on the street corners. Uh, at the same time, men still predominantly wore longies, like, you know, Western dress wasn't normal. Right, long jeans, like kind of a, almost a male skirt. You yeah, like it was like a skirt. Yeah, most, fabric most men wore skirts still. Kind of a plaid. Um, yeah. The sidewalks were covered with red spit from betel nut. From the betel nut. Uh, yeah. yeah, and uh, you know there was no email, internet. Like there was internet, but like it was only like internal net. If you want to send a note to someone down the street. That yeah, there was no cell phones. Like, it no. cost like $10,000 to get a cell phone in, in yeah. Myanmar back in those days. So, like, my impressions were very different, I imagine, than, than what your impressions yeah, most I think, certainly have been. I mean, I figure it was 2010 or 2009 at the earliest, and my now wife and I decided to go. I think we went for five nights just to Yangon, the capital yeah. Which I kind of like now. It's a theme of travel I really like is if you can manage, go somewhere and just stay long. Mm. Just so you're not rushed. And I was lucky enough to have a guidebook author friend, Joe Cummings, who's been a guest. Oh, nice. Tell me a few neat places to go. A really wild bar where my wife and I walked into this hotel bar. The Strand? And, uh, no, oh, no. That was the only bar when we went. Yeah. Was the, was the and it was all men watching like a Rambo type movie. Okay. And they all turned and looked at us when we got to the door. It fell silent. There was no foreigners and no women. <laughs> yeah. And we both looked at them. And then someone kind of motioned to one table that was free and we sat there. Mm. Um, we also met a couple other people who remained nameless and had dinners with them. And they told us about what it's like living there. And like you said, there was no phones. A SIM card was a thousand dollars US if yeah. you wanted a SIM card and you had to like apply and file papers like which no meant, one had phones. Like there was like there was random public phones like on a on a table at a, at an intersection. Yeah. So if you wanted a mobile phone, I mean it was kinda of almost stupid because in the government and everyone knew that you yeah. had a phone, they were probably tapping it. And the person we had dinner with told us even at that time, like if you weren't gonna sleep at your house that night, you had to go to the nearest police station and tell them mm. that you were gonna stay somewhere else and it was common to just get banging at your door at like 3 a.m to just check if you were home to just see if you were there sleeping like it's not just a few police officers back then but it was under lock and key and yeah said it was regular yeah, it was definitely it was definitely yeah. different and back then i had heard that you know something like one out of three people was like an informant for the the government or something and, yeah. and to some degree that that could be true just because you wanted to make money any way you possibly could and, and whatnot but from my experience even back then was that as a tourist 
our interactions with local people benefited the local people by giving them information about like what was going on in the outside or world currency. And, and currency as well. Yeah, because there was the whole thing that like don't spend your money there because it's going to go back to the government. And and like we were driving through like a little town in the middle of nowhere, and and I saw somebody wearing one of those cool hats. You know, they they have really interesting hats that they like weave out of. Yeah, yeah. And and our driver like pulled a U-turn and went down some side street and found this little tiny hat shop. <laughs> and and they'd never seen a white person before, I imagine. I mean, you know, maybe since like the, the, birth, yeah. the British colonial days or something. But like they couldn't believe that like me and Nat were there like trying on hats and we bought like ten hats and stuff like that. And you know, that was probably a good source of income for those people. Yeah, I'm just still trying to imagine what it was like when you went, because when we went and you know, SIM cards were still a thousand dollars and this person's telling us stories of police banging on your door to see where you're sleeping. You know, whether one in three or people were ratting other people out mm. it's probably just that they cultivated that rumor around yeah them. like if you cultivate yeah. the rumor that everyone's watching yeah. you then everyone is watching you yeah. right? i mean it's pretty but, but nowadays from what i understand you know like kevin ching he's a chef from hawaii he has the port autonomy restaurant uh, there in, in yangon now Ooh, I never knew really? that. Okay. yeah there's a bunch of like hip like foodie restaurants and cool cocktail bars and and yangon's really grown up like a lot in recent years i've heard i heard it's a really cool place to to go yeah so i was just there in august of uh 2017 for two weeks i was doing some work but uh, i had to go out and eat lots and yeah. walk around lots and I, I i think the thing about yangon almost in a similar way to phnom penh now phnom penh has way more cool bars and restaurants. But when you're in a place that has traditionally had aid and NGOs and foreigners, there needs to be a certain number of restaurants to which they can go. So there were a good number of, I mean, you walk in these old beautiful buildings that they've kind of restored these colonial buildings and you sit down and they're just absolutely stunning and gorgeous. And you can get foreign food or you can get local food. But it's more expensive than Bangkok, and it's more expensive than really? Cambodia. I heard, like, rent and stuff like that is expensive there. Rent is insane. Yeah. Rent, because suddenly when the doors opened, yeah. there weren't enough places ready for it, like, for businesses yeah. or anything. So, like, apartment rents are insane, office rents are insane. And consequently, if you want to go have foreign food or, or kind of, like, food that foreigners can eat, it's very expensive. Like That's funny. Burger and it was like sixteen seventy. Because when we went and we went to the Strand, which was like the only bar in town, yeah, which is like a fancy kind of old world colonial, like the Raffles or it's something the like hotel. that. It's it was cheap. We were shocked how cheap it was. Really? That, yeah, not, anymore. not that, anymore. That was the only place in the country that took the credit cards too. Yeah, not yeah. anymore. Things the price have gone up, and there's yeah. some pretty hip spots to you know have pizzas, but also they're yeah. doing uh, Burmese cuisine, pretty cool too. So you could over a couple of days in the capital have some pretty slick. Burmese cool cuisine. Food. I remember that too. I didn't thought about that in a long time. It's always like twenty little dishes. They like cover the table with little dishes of different food. Yeah, little and, little dishes. Yeah. If you go to these curry houses, and the one thing that's a big surprise for most people is that they've had curries in other parts of Southeast Asia. Is that Burmese curries have a thick layer of oil oh, yeah, sitting yeah. over them, and I've heard it's to pre to preserve them and keep them yeah. safe from the heat and all that. But you kind of like when you first see it as a Westerner. You're like, oh my, there's just this thick layer of oil. So you almost have to like, I've seen them sort of stir it so that that thick layer of oil goes to the side and then scoop <laughs> yeah. the thick stuff from yeah. the, the bottom. But you do have to kind of get past that. I just remember that like you could only order like chicken, pork, or beef 
and then they bring out the same like 20 dishes and like the only one that would be different would be like the curry would have a different type of uh, and lamb was a big one there. yeah yeah okay because there's a, a fair number of muslim people yeah. in at least the capital and some of the other provinces and uh um, yeah, I mean, it's really cool markets. Did you go to like some of the big markets there? Yeah, we went to a couple of them. And now that we've had a couple of drinks, I can't remember all the names, <laughs> but the Western name for the main one is kind of called Scott's Market. Oh, sure it is. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, it's got the usual tourist things, but you can also buy fabrics there. I had a vest. Maybe I have a longie that I still wear regularly. Oh, really? I wear it in Indonesia. The Indonesian people think it's cool. They're like, oh, where'd you get that? I just in August went and had a vest, or as the British would say, I was corrected, a waistcoat. Oh. You have to call it. I'd like I a waistcoat made. So I'd Do you wear it with your longie? I do not wear it because, you know, somebody gave me a longie once and I'm like, this is just that kind of local thing that doesn't look right on a way. I love the longie because unlike a sarong, it's connected so it's like a loop. You know, like a sarong is like a single piece that you have to like tie. Oh, is a longie not a single no, piece? No, it's, it's, a, it's a single piece. It's like a loop. It's not. Oh, so you so step you, into you it. Step and into you step into it and then you, yeah. This has been educational for me. It's, it's awesome. It, I love it. I've, I've had it for 15 years. I still wear it. So... You know, one of the things I find fascinating about Myanmar, and I, I've only been to a few places, but I've been to, you know, Hanoi, Ho Chi Minh, Vientiane, Phnom Penh, you know, the, the, yeah, the, the main cities. And although the culture, the food, the dress, it is kind of different. If you land in Phnom Penh, it, it's kind of similar to Bangkok in a way. Like, it's, it's different, but... There's, I don't know, it's not a super shock. Yeah, I, I agree. Sometimes I'll be, like, walking around Ho Chi Minh City and I'll forget, right. like, am I in Phnom Penh? Like, for a second, like, sometimes you get confused which city you're in. They're yeah. very different. Yeah. Ho Chi Minh, Phnom Penh, Bangkok, these places. But I think when you go to Yangon, it is, like, the other Southeast Asia. It's very different. I totally, that's how I, I, I felt like it, it was the most different place I'd ever been to. Yeah, I mean, from the buildings, there, there's kind of... A lot of them, right, I think I'm guessing like 80s, they probably built concrete city and buildings which are three to four stories tall. And they're just all connected for like an entire long block. Mm. Some beautiful colonial buildings. But then the dress, the dress is so different. Like seeing men in these longies, as you mentioned, mm. and women in, in skirts with matching tops that are woven and handmade. And even when I was just there a couple months ago, women come to work in that stuff. It's not just like older women that are wearing it, younger women are still, they go to work traditionally dressed, which I thought was really cool to walk around the city. It's, it's stunning, beautiful clothes. And like nowadays you walk around Bangkok, women aren't wearing traditional Thai clothes. No, maybe walk around in Vietnam, they're still wearing pajamas. So I didn't see so many pajamas <laughs> in Vietnam as yeah. you do in Cambodia. But it's Vietnamese in Cambodia. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's a Vietnamese trend. Is that what it is? Yeah. But, I mean, they hold on to the traditional dress much, much more there, I would say, than any other country in Southeast yeah, Asia. Maybe Bali. Bali, okay. Yeah. Um, mm. But, I mean, yeah, you see a lot of it. people go to work in traditional Burmese clothes, which is I know, cool. and I like that. And even the, the betel nut. And I heard betel nuts slowed down a little bit. Like, there's not so much red stains, spit streets. Yeah, so betel nut is a nut, and they kind of wrap it in a leaf, and then they put, like, ginger and tobacco and other things. And some sort of sauce that gives me food poisoning yes. I, I vomited for uh, days i was really sauce sick and, and you just buy them at a stand it's super yeah. cheap yeah. you chew it it gives you a bit of a tobacco kind of buzz yeah but like when i was in taxis or ubers you can use uber there but it was, just a little, it was a little like hatchback 
taxi that comes and yeah. we still do an Uber. And they would have a plastic bag hanging on the window, uh, yeah. like roll down window thing on their door, spitting into a plastic uh, bag. And whenever you're at a red light there, you see doors open on cars <laughs> yeah. and people are spitting out the doors. Yeah, that yeah. stuff is everywhere. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, and more so outside of Yangon. I mean, we're we're kind of focusing on Yangon here. We did a big trip uh, up around the country. We drove up to um, Bagan okay. and, and to Inlay Lake, and we did yeah. like a loop, you know. Sure. Um, so I think certainly out in the countryside, it's probably still more similar to the old world, Myanmar and Burma. It's like most of these cities, there's the capital and there's the country, right? Yeah. Two, almost two different planets. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, I don't know, maybe Bagan has developed, uh, I've never been to Mandalay. I'd love to go to Mandalay. Mm. Have you, did you go? I'm going to Mandalay in early December with my wife and meeting my parents. You know, another thing that is really, I think, interesting when you land in Yangon that sets it apart from the other kind of big cities in Southeast Asia is the mix of faces. Like the British brought tons of Indians to, yeah. to Myanmar to work. And then there's also a lot of Muslims, people that have come by way of Bangladesh and yeah. stuff. So when you're walking around Yangon, you get ethnic Burmese plus all the other ethnic people that are Myanmar citizens. And, and a lot of them are Indians. A lot of them are look Bangladeshi. Like the faces, super different from Vietnam or Cambodia or Thailand or Laos or, or Malaysia. Like yeah. really different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like really different. You're, you're sandwiched in this neat area. And then the food, like biryani. The classic kind of what I always associate with India, yeah. but like, I mean, the best biryani I've ever had in my entire life, I've had in, in Yangon. You can get a lot of like the Indian tali sets, which is like a metal plate mm. with a few different sauces and curries and some rice and chicken. And I mean, you get some of that in Malaysia, but uh, yeah, the cuisine kind of moves around. It's very, very diverse. Yeah. Again, I just remember chicken, pork, lamb, chicken, pork, <laughs> and then the 25 different plates. 25 plates. <laughs> yeah. They're little tiny plates. It kind of reminded me of Korean food to some degree. They give you lots of little uh, side dishes. It was all about the sides. Okay. Well, I'm curious. Um, I mean, the main site in the entire country is really Shwedagong Pagoda. Yeah. Holiest site. The major vast majority of people are Buddhist. I mean, when you went there, what was it like? What were your impressions? Yeah. I mean, it's obviously really beautiful. Um, my understanding at the time was that the gold was all taken from Ayutthaya. Yeah. Burmese dispute this. I really? brought it up with people and they immediately... So, so tell for, for people who For what, people yeah. who don't understand, uh, Thailand and, and Burma were rivals for centuries. And, and, uh -huh. and uh, at one point uh, in the 18th century, uh, Burma managed to invade Thailand and, and sack Ayutthaya, which was the capital of Thailand, and basically raise the city to the ground and make off with, with all of the gold. And apparently the story is that the Shwedagong pagoda is covered with the gold that was looted from Ayutthaya. Is that correct? Uh, that story. is the exact That's story I've heard, because Ayutthaya was the former capital of Thailand yeah. from... 1367 to ooh, 1767, yeah. I believe. I've had a couple drinks. And the Burmese sacked it, smashed the heads off statues, melted gold. But, you know, this trip, I mentioned kind of like, oh, I heard some of the gold. And I said it in a nice way. Yeah. I heard some of the gold was from a Utah. And every person I mentioned it to was definitely standoffish. Like, they're like, no, I don't think so. And, yeah. Which I wondered why. Like, why would... Be like, yeah, like, yeah, it's like, like yeah, Emerald Buddha, like that, like, right? Yeah. Oh, you know what? The other thing I, I remember from Shwedagong, which we haven't mentioned here yet, was in in one of the like the 
the hallways that are like covered, you know, where there would be murals and stuff like that. There was the women taking those pieces of wood and wetting it and, and, and grinding it down to create this yellow paste oh, that yeah. they then cover their skin with. Yeah, so if you go to Myanmar, it's common to have circles or squares or lines. Of yellow paste. Yellow like the, the, paste, yeah. the, the Burmese women put this, it's like a wood, it's a paste made out of a certain type of wood. Yeah, if we'd done so, our research, we would know. Yeah, and, and, and that's why Burmese women are famous for having beautiful skin. Because yeah. apparently this, this, this yellow paste made from the wood keeps their skin smooth and soft and, and this clear complexion. Mm. Um, but again, like going with the betel nut and the dress, it's a very distinctive cultural thing for, for people to have this uh, yellow. Yeah, and you'll see people in Thailand working, for instance, if they ever see this like light yellow yeah, down in the islands. kind of powder on them, that's, that's where they're originally from. You know, I, when my wife and I went to Shwedagon, the thing that got me immediately was how big the complex was because mm -hmm. I'd only ever seen pictures of the stupa, the main kind of, you know, pointed object yeah. for those listeners that don't know what a stupa is, golden thing going up. But actually, there's a lot of stupas around it and some buildings around it, and you approach... And it's on a little hill, so you actually have to walk up some stairs from one of four sides. There's an escalator on a couple, and you go up, and it, it's it's more than just the pagoda, the, the the stupa itself. As you walk around, you should walk around clockwise, and there's so many little stupas and buildings, and then you can look through, uh, what is that, telescope or... Uh, Hmm, like I don't remember that. Binocular kind of thing. Yeah. And oh, see the gems on top because there's like a ruby and a sapphire and a diamond. Yeah. Huge ones on the very, very, yeah. very top. And you can look through and see them. And I just, I remember just thinking like, wow, this is much, much, much bigger than I thought it would be. And it's impressive. And then yeah. when I was just back, one night I went out with some people and we were at a club at about 1 a.m. Mm -hmm. And I just walked outside of the club onto the balcony and boom, we were really close to it. Yeah, and I looked, and it was just one of those neat moments. Where it's like, like the Eiffel Tower. Yeah, you're like, damn! Like yeah. I, I knew I was in Yangon, <laughs> but like I'm in Yangon. Like yeah. none of my friends are seeing this on their right. Saturday night. So that was really neat. And actually, I met a monk friend of mine from our leadership program mm -hmm. in Hawaii, and uh, we hadn't seen each other in four or five years. And we met at Shwedagon Pagoda. We spent yeah. two hours kind of walking around it and sitting down and chatting. And uh, it's it's quite a now, I don't remember the place. Is that is there actually like a hill there that it's built on, or was it an artificial hill that they built? It's a little hill, I believe. But when you look at it, you wouldn't really realize it's a hill unless you looked at stuff around it, man. Mm -hmm. And you're like, like hill, small spot. Like yeah, because otherwise spot. the city's flat, right? It is a flat place. Mm -hmm. It is it is a really flat place. Mm -hmm. And you know, one of the other things I I really liked when I was there, and I'm not going to say this correctly, is there's kind of two main lakes in the city. There's uh, Inya Lake where uh, Aung San Suu Kyi has her house and was under house arrest. And there's Kandoji, I think it's called Kandoji Lake. Mm. And they have like a wooden boardwalk built on it. It's got to be a couple kilometers long. And my wife and I went for a nice jog on it. And it's a nice place to go. Like, yeah, we went there. There was like a night market even back in 2002. Oh, they, really? They, yeah. We went okay. there and we got some food one night. Because that's near the Strand, right? Uh, well, a couple kilometers north of the Strand, but I mean, it's, you know, within shooting distance of the tourist sites. Yeah, I mean, that's a really nice place for a walk to go on the wooden walkway, and there's always people selling food outside, and lots of local people doing their thing, and people are still curious, you know, even though it's opened up a lot. 
I still notice. Like, what was I it totally like remember that people stared. Like, I couldn't. I never like they. They'd never seen a white person eat before or something like that. Like, I remember just people <laughs> staring at me yeah. nonstop the whole time. Like we were eating. Um, so yeah, and it was like honestly, like I don't know. It felt somewhat weird. Like I don't know. They'd never seen a white person eat people watching you do things yeah they just stared like and i was like hey what's up like you know come talk i eat i put stuff in my mouth <laughs> yeah, so, three, yeah, three times a day um but at the same time I, you know i just remember really curiosity right like you said we we had a conversation with this one guy he was he wanted to know what the difference was between taiwan and china no yeah, idea. That's, yeah. that's a full episode right there. <laughs> yeah. Right. But he just didn't know. And like these are the kind of conversations that we had with local people. Hmm. Um, and I, I just thought that it was really cool that we, we got to, to share those experiences with them. You know? Something that's neat about Yangon is uh, when my wife and I went there, what we figured back in 2010 before it kind of opened, so mm -hmm. to speak, is any other city in Southeast Asia, heaps of motorbikes mm -hmm. everywhere. No motorbikes in the downtown area perimeter of Yangon. And apparently, I don't know what year, but I think it was like around 2007 or six or something. Yeah. It was an assassination attempt on a government person yeah. by someone on a motorbike. Yeah. So they just said, no, no motorbikes in the court. So even today, no motorbikes. Heaps more cars. Traffic is a problem. Compared to six years ago, traffic is a major problem in the city. It's slow getting places, but still no motorbikes you have to cross a river you can have motorbikes outside over the other side of the river but there are no motorbikes in the city huh. yeah it's I crazy i didn't even notice that what i did remember was because again we drove out of the city to yeah. go up to, to up north um that the cars have right hand drive like Here, in, right, in the yeah. uk yeah. or, or yeah. in thailand which yeah. is probably where the cars came from but after after myanmar declared independence from from britain they went to the they, right they were like f you britain and we're changing everything to yeah, be different so the cars have right hand drive but they drive on the right, right hand side, side of the road so when you're sitting shotgun in a car yeah. and, and when you're driving north out of yangon the road is only like one lane and a quarter wide sure so like you're driving like 100 miles an hour towards another car and then at the last second they like turn away to like go around each other because because you're on the the left side like mm. it, it was terrifying more of the steering wheels are on the correct side now and i'm trying to think what the correct side is but you still get a mix there's still lots of import cars where they don't seem to have to yeah. change what side the steering wheels because when you drive you're usually by the center line but often as a passenger, yeah, you're by the center line. The other thing is, I don't know about nowadays, but when I was there, they used the U.S. dollar as kind of the currency for the most part, yeah. uh, kind of like Cambodia does. Mm. So it's interesting that many people don't know this, but other than the United States, the only country that still uses the imperial measurement system is Myanmar. So all of the signs that show the speed limit are in miles per hour. England would too, though, I think, right? No, I think they've switched to metric. Really? Yeah, so it doesn't say 60 oh. miles an hour for the for the speed limit. And oh. uh, and when you buy gasoline at the gas station, it's in gallons. So you buy gas oh, really? in gallons, the speed oh. limit's in miles per hour, Yeah. and you pay for it in dollars. So at the time, I was like, why is this the, the axis of evil, like the country that we're boycotting when this all makes sense to me? Oh, interesting. You know, a change in money is when we were there in 2010, uh, the local currency is chat, yeah. but which is spelled K-Y-A-T, but yeah. said, you say chat. 
but many more places had prices in U.S. dollars. Yeah. When I was there just in August 2017, yeah. like major hotels will quote some things in U.S. dollars, but you pay in chat. Like there is much really? more now you pay in chat. How about like, the FECs? Do they have? Do no, they have? there's and there used to be yeah. okay, FEC, foreign exchange certificate. Oh, certificate. I think, and so when foreigners went there, when you went, yeah. you had to change money like at the airport. Or yeah, something, right? you had to buy this government money yeah government but we actually didn't have to buy the government money and then we we met some guy who got us to buy chat on the black market now what happened at the end though was when we came back at the end of our trip we we owed our driver some money okay and he was like don't worry about it you can go to the strand and get a cash advance on your visa card because there's no atms in the entire country at the time right and the only place now. The only place that took Visa was the Strand, and he said, don't worry, you can get a cash advance, okay? Mm. So we owed him uh, some money, and because uh, we bought some souvenirs up in Bagan, and he fronted us because we didn't have, because right. ATM, whatever. And, uh, Stupid Americans. And so we went, to, uh, we went to the Strand, and it was Easter okay. in Singapore. So you couldn't use your Visa card at the Strand, because they used a bank in Singapore, which... Okay. Randomly celebrated Easter. So the only thing they would do for us was give us the FECs. We could we could Foreign use the Visa money. card that they would yeah. run, but they wouldn't give us chat or dollars. They would only give us FECs. Which he couldn't use, bro. And, well, no, he ended up taking it. Yeah. Because yeah. there was nothing else he could do. Huh. Yeah, I mean, there's ATMs uh, pretty relatively available now. Chat is the main currency you can still pay in dollars but i think they just end up changing to chat one of the other big differences there i mean i mentioned traffic all, already was mm. was a big one when i was just there but also malls and towers like they got a starbucks uh bon -ton chicken don't there's think, like three in Phnom Penh. yeah i don't think there's any of that there but opposite scott's market yeah. there's a big mall now now when i say okay. modern it's not as advanced or shiny as bank but uh, nope, but like on the fifth floor, there was like a modern food uh, court where you get a card where you prepay yeah. on the card. So saw another big mall by another hotel I stayed at. There's there's like proper office business towers. Like it's changed yeah. a lot in six years, man. Like it is, it is becoming the modern place to a certain degree. Yeah, I'd love to go. You know, I, I work right next to the Burmese embassy. Right, right here embassy. in Bangkok, yeah. right? And uh, so I see the people there all the time. And uh, so, you know, I, I get to mingle with the Myanmarese people, but uh, I haven't made it back there in a while. And I'd love to go. I hear there's a water park, apparently. There is a water park. <laughs> I did two days of team building with... Did uh, you go to the water park there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We used their, uh, their property there and uh, did team building. And the other half of the team played water park. And then we changed and whatnot. So, yeah, it's called Water Boom. Water Boom. and. Huh. Yeah, it was it was all right looking. Like there's a big change, right? Like yeah, like only opened a few years ago. There's a water park now. It's, yeah, uh, yeah, it was pretty cool. I mean, the one neat thing about this is, I mean, all of Southeast Asia for Western visitors is still like weird and different and bizarre yeah. and developing. But you go there and like just think like the conversation we've just had, the change we've seen, the changes happened in just fifteen years. Right? Yeah, big, 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 big. Yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah. Well. Um, Fascinating place to, to go, a great place to visit, and uh, maybe we'll do something else on another part of the We country. should go so, and do an episode from there. You know, we should do one on Bagan sometime, just because uh, mm. talking about ancient cities, Bagan is one of the... It, yeah, I loved it. I it's amazing. It's as cool... Did you? Congratulations. Yeah, yeah thank you. Yeah. It was um, awesome. Yeah, as cool as... It, in, in such a different way. 
uh, from Angkor. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So different. And even Sukhothai. Like, I love Sukhothai. Sukhothai um, in Thailand. But Angkor, they're very different, the three of them. And, and, and that was one of the things I was interested in. Uh, like, so much of Southeast Asia is jungle, right? Mm. And you think tropical rainforest, right? Yeah. And, and we know that in the north of Myanmar is the foothills of the Himalayas. And they, they have huge mountains up in the north. Of, uh, like 5,900 meters. Yeah, huge. Um, but you go north of Yangon, and it's desert. Yeah. It's high desert. Bangon's high yeah, desert. You know? Hot and, yeah, and yeah. dry and flat. Yeah. And Sounds like yeah. another episode. I'd it's love it's an interesting Bangon. country. We should, uh, and then the islands. Yeah, yeah, there's. I mean, Thai islands are famous, right? Yeah, but like, sure. Myanmar has Myanmar, ten times and more. Probably. There can't be many countries like maybe India that has like tropical islands and tropical waters and Himalayas. Yeah, like that's a, a broad mix. So yeah. anyway, let's wrap this baby up. I mean, Yangon, neat, totally different from any other city in Southeast Asia, changing rapidly. Go there. Yes, and uh, I, I, I will. Okay. And we should follow up and do another episode on Myanmar soon. All right, good one. Well, take us out, Trevor. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, join us back here in two weeks. Uh, I believe we're going to have uh, an episode about film locations here in Thailand. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Uh, film locations in Thailand. That's yeah. a good one. Yeah, with Chris Lonestein. That's a very good one. Yeah. All right, over and out. Good evening. Thanks for joining us on Talk Travel Asia. We look forward to sharing with you again soon. Hey Scott, do you remember the time we walked on top of the wall at Angkor Thom and Cambodia?